Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Well, as many of you know, I am married to the pastor, so that makes me the pastor's wife. I am also married to the farmer, which makes me the farmer's wife, all right? So when I married Kelly almost 30 years ago next month, yay! <laughs> I knew that I was going to be a pastor's wife. I knew that we would be shepherding part of the flock of God because God had called us to lead a church. What I did not know was that I was also going to be a farmer's wife. I did not see that coming. I did not predict that I would be a country girl, that I would drive a truck, and that I would walk around in the muck of a barnyard. I didn't see that one coming, but here I am. 18 years into being on a farm, I am definitely a farmer's wife. And last month, I had this really unique moment in time where the farmer and the farmer's daughter, Journey Grace, the last child left at home, they went out of town for a week. So guess who was in charge? The farmer's wife, yes. Now, the farmer's wife is a little bit like a hired hand. I am not first string, so they were desperate when they called upon me to take care of the farm. And I can assure you, before they left, I was talking to Journey Grace. What do I need to remember? What do I need to know? Who do I need to feed when? What do I need to keep a watch for? I was talking to the farmer. But also, simultaneously, as I'm taking all these mental notes about what I need to do to take care of the farm, I was starting to get really sick, like sicker than I've been in a few years. And in addition to that, the blizzard of 2023 was moving in. Do you guys remember that last month? Well, that was my lot as I was the one in charge of the farm for a week. It was not a great situation. I can tell you that. I was doing my best to prepare. Thankfully, I had the example of a good farmer and a good farmer's daughter. And in addition to that, I was walking with the good shepherd. And he was leading me and guiding me through every step of that week. Which brings me to what we're going to talk about today. Today, we're going to continue in our series through Ezekiel. And today, we arrive at a message that I have fallen in love with. When the good pastor assigned this message to me last fall... I said, yes, looks great, took the assignment, didn't think much about it, didn't look at the passage that much, just agreed to it. And then when January came and all these extra responsibilities began falling on my shoulders, I just about started having a panic attack. I cannot do this in addition to everything else. Candace is nodding her head, yes. Lord, this is more than I can handle. I just about gave it back to your pastor and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, you need, to, you need to pay attention to this one. You agreed to this, and I have something that I want to say to you through it. So I held on to this passage, this message, and I'm so glad I did. Because God has 
ministered to me so deeply through it. And it's out of that place that I come and I give you this message this morning. We're going to look at what the Bible says about the good shepherd. And many of us know that Jesus called himself a good shepherd in the gospels. But what you may not know is that God called himself the good shepherd back in the book of Ezekiel. And between the two of these pictures, we can better understand the heart of our God. So we're going to look at both Old Testament and New Testament today. And we're going to look through through two frameworks. We're going to look at who God is as our good shepherd. And then we're going to look at who he has called us to be as shepherds of those that God has entrusted to us. We're going to cover a lot of territory. So buckle your seatbelts. It's time to giddy up. We are going to see what God has to say to us as we answer the question, how does the good shepherd care for his sheep? Let's start in Ezekiel chapter 34. If you'll read in the word with me. Then this message came to me, Ezekiel, from the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you, shepherds, who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk. You wear the wool. You butcher the best animals but you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills across the face of the earth, yet no one, has gone to search for them. As God begins speaking in what we know as Ezekiel 34, he starts off with the attributes of bad shepherds. He distinctly describes them. The bad shepherds are the ones who took the benefits of the flock without benefiting them. These bad shepherds, they were selfish. They were self-centered. They were heartless. They were thoughtless. They were even cruel to their sheep. God said, "Mm -mm, this isn't going to work, you leaders of the house of Israel. By contrast, there was a king of Israel who was a good shepherd. He was a good king, and his name was David. And he started out as a young man, as a shepherd. So he knew what good shepherds did. And somewhere along the way, he started thinking about how God is like a good shepherd to us. I'm going to read this passage over you, and I invite you to close your eyes as I read it, because this is a very familiar passage, but I want you to hear it for yourself as I read it over you. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. So how does the good shepherd care for us? Here's point number one. The good shepherd pays attention to and cares for the needs of his flock. 
You know, back in 1996, when God called Kelly and I here to start Vanguard Church, there was this moment that God specifically spoke into Kelly and thus into me words from 1 Peter 5 that says, care for the flock entrusted to you. Now, at that moment, fall of 96, our flock consisted of all of about five people. Like, really, Lord, care for the flock entrusted to us? He said, I'm not talking about the size. You care for the flock entrusted to you. And that's been our calling here at Vanguard Church for 26 years. It's not to be in charge of everybody else, but it's to care for the flock that God has entrusted to us. You are part of that flock and it's an honor and a privilege to care for you. In 1997, God gave us our first child, Anastasia, and he was enlarging our flock. From there, he gave us four more children all the way down to our youngest, Journey Grace, in 2007. Care for the flock entrusted to you. Along the way, he's entrusted different people and small groups and ministries and different parts of life to us. Care for the flock entrusted to you. I have flocks and guess what? You do too. As I talk about this message and as we consider how the good shepherd cares for us, I want you also to think in terms of who God has called for you to pay attention to and care for. He wants you to watch over them like he watches over us. You may say, I don't really have anybody. I'm going to challenge you on that today. Because if you're a Christ follower, you have somebody that he wants you to care for in his name. Ezekiel continued in Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 7. He says, therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. As surely as I live, says the Lord God, you abandon my flock and left them to be attacked by every wild animal. And though you were my shepherds, you didn't search for my sheep when they were lost. You took care of yourselves and left the sheep to starve. Now, the original context of Ezekiel 34, God gave Ezekiel this message first and foremost to deliver to the leaders of the house of Israel. These were the spiritual leaders. We get to step into this. I'll talk about later because of Jesus. But when he is talking about you took care of yourselves, the first person, the first people he was talking about were the leaders of the house of Israel who were selfish. They were self-centered. They were taking care of themselves instead of the flock. And it comes down to us today. And I wish I didn't have any modern day examples of this, but I do. In fact, there was just something in the Christian Post on Friday about over 40 churches worldwide paid $100,000 a year to Hillsong just so that they could be called by their name. And what did Hillsong do with that money? Yeah, they went shopping. I read one article that said their shopping trips made the Kardashians look silly. That's the way bad shepherds take care of themselves and leave the sheep to starve. And God says, mm-mm, no. No, I'm calling that into account. Therefore, you shepherds, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. I now consider these shepherds my enemies, and I will hold them responsible for what has happened to my flock. I read that one of those churches has since closed. They are responsible. 
I will take away those shepherds' right to feed the flock and I will stop them from feeding themselves. I will rescue my flock from their mouths. The sheep will no longer be their prey. That's what God said in Ezekiel. What did Jesus have to say about this? Look at what he said in John 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, you you spiritual leaders, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is a shepherd of the sheep. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and will find pasture. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd, he doesn't take for himself. He lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd, does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So how does the good shepherd care for his flock? Here's point number two. The good shepherd recognizes his responsibility and protects his sheep. Now, this is my understanding of sheepfolds back in Bible times. They would build these enclosures, these walls all the way around. But when it came to the gate, the shepherd himself was the gate. He would lay right down there in the midst of that opening. He'd get all his sheep in at nighttime, and then he would lay down there. And anything that was going to attack those sheep had to come to him first come through him first. I read some commentaries that said shepherd, being a shepherd was a menial job. It wasn't that you know, big of a deal. But my thought is, even though being a shepherd is like being a farmer, it's really dirty. It's really important because those sheep depended on the shepherd for protection. Good shepherds are selfless. They are brave. They are courageous. They literally stand in the entrance. They are the gatekeepers. How does this apply to us? Well, I can think of one really easy application. If you have children under the age of 18 and they're in your home, you are the gatekeeper. What are you allowing into your home? You know, my generation got caught off guard by these electronic devices and what came with them. It was all new and and we didn't know what they were bringing into our home. You know, you know now. I know now what is coming through the gate into your home, not just devices. What television are you allowing in your home? What entertainment are you allowing in your home? What social media, what people are you allowing to have access to your children? Just because they call themselves Christians does not mean they're trustworthy. Here's the thing. There are wolves And there are wolves in sheep's clothing. And I can tell you this, my family has experienced this. And they are all over the world, in and among and around the body of Christ. And I'm telling you, do not entrust your children to people that you do not know that they're truly one of God's sheep. And a shout out to our youth ministry, the leaders have been vetted. We trust them. We trust Pastor Micah. There are a lot of people in this world you should not trust. There are wolves in sheep's clothing. But we have to be watchful. We have to be aware. Gatekeepers. 
Make sure you apply this to your life, whatever it looks like in your world. Ezekiel continues. And and here's the thing, because sometimes as we're keeping watch, as we're aware, there are wolves in sheep's clothing that will tear away our precious ones. They'll steal them. They'll haul them off. They'll pull them into the woods, pull them away from us. And despite our watchfulness, that happens. And then there's other times that people that God has entrusted to us, whether it's our children or, or the people that we lead in small groups or people here at Vanguard or whoever it is, they wander off because they just don't really want to do it anymore. That happens in our lives and that happens for God as the good shepherd. And it's about that that he's going to continue here in Ezekiel 34 verse 11. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. He says, I myself will search for my sheep. I will find them. I will be like a shepherd looking for his scattered flock. I will find my sheep and rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on that dark and cloudy day. I will bring them back home to their own land of Israel from among the peoples and the nations. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel by the rivers, and in all the places where people live. Yes, I will give them good pasture land on the high hills of Israel. There they will lie down in pleasant places and feed in the lush pastures of the hills. I myself will tend my sheep and give them a place to lie down in peace, says the sovereign Lord. I will search for my lost ones who strayed away, and I will bring them safely home again. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the weak, but I will destroy those who are fat and powerful. I will feed them, and yes, I will feed them with justice. Here's the thing about our good shepherd. He is a God of search and rescue. He's a God of search and rescue. What does that look like? Jesus continued with that in Luke 15. He says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And he says in Luke 19, for the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. What is a defining trait of the good shepherd? Here's point number three. The good shepherd values every single one of his sheep. He doesn't say, When one wanders off, he doesn't say, ah, no big deal. I've still got 99. No, he values the one as much as he values the 99. If you've heard me speak, I've said this so many times, but I have five children. I lose one. It's like losing a finger. It's not that I have more kids than most, so it's okay. No, every single one of my children is valuable. Each person that God has entrusted to me is valuable. Recently, I had this moment where I felt like God wanted me to go search for one who is lost. So I did that. I went looking. I did not find the lost one. What I found was insult and anger and mockery 
and scorn, hatred, venom, and it hurt. Sometimes it hurts to be a shepherd. Sometimes it tears our hearts apart. And I almost lost hope in that, but God was having me meditate on who he is. And see, here's the thing about the good shepherd. He said, I myself will search and find my sheep. And I talk to a lot of parents and I spend a lot of time trying to figure out how we do this parenting journey. I have my friend Miriam Harris here and she's working really hard with me on the Family Disciple Me ministry and we're trying to figure out how we minister to so many different families even as we're trying to raise our own children. Sometimes I don't know what to say because it's hard to be a shepherd. It's hard to parent perfectly, but this is what I know. If I'm going to err on any side, if I'm going to go with any parenting tactic, I'm going to go with the example of, well, the good shepherd. And the good shepherd goes and looks for his lost sheep. He bandages them up. He puts them on his shoulder and he brings them home. And then he throws a party and says, look what's happened. Look what I've done. Parents, make sure that you're following the example set out to you by God himself. There's a lot of advice in this world. Make sure that you're following God's example. Ezekiel continues in the word of the Lord. He said, as for you, he wrote down these words, as for you, my flock, this is what the sovereign Lord says to his people. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, separating the sheep from the goats. Isn't it enough for you that you kept the best of the pastures for yourselves? Must you also trample down the rest? Isn't it enough for you to drink clear water for yourselves? Must you also muddy the rest with your feet? Why must my flock eat what you have trampled down and drink water you have fouled? That example becomes very clear analogy when you live on a farm because the animals that, that swoop in first and take it all for themselves and mess it up and don't leave behind any for the others of the flock, God's saying, no, that's not okay. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I will surely judge between the fat sheep and the scrawny sheep. For you fat sheep, you pushed and butted and crowded my sick and hungry flock until you scattered them to distant lands. Verse 22, so I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. As I studied for this message, I felt like God said, stop there and read it again because there's people who are listening who need to hear that. God said, I will rescue my flock and they will no longer be abused. I will judge between one animal of the flock and another, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. He will feed them and be a shepherd to them, and I, the Lord, will be their God, and my servant David will be a prince among my people. I, the Lord, have spoken. What did Jesus have to say to this? Well, here's the thing about the good shepherd is that as he was leading, he was enduring insult, scorn, mockery, hatred, anger, being a good shepherd is not always easy. And there was a day that he was at the festival of dedication at Jerusalem and all these spiritual leaders came to him and they were insulting and they were prodding him and they were insulting and scorning him. And Jesus said, verse 25, chapter 10, he said, I told you, but you did not believe me. The works I do in my father's name testify about me, but you do not believe because 
You are not my sheep. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Between Ezekiel and the Gospels, God makes very clear there's two categories of people. The first is not my sheep. These are the abusers. These are the wolves in sheep's clothing. These are the leaders who are selfish, who put it all about themselves, putting themselves first. That's not my sheep, God says. And then over here, you have those that he says, these are my sheep. These are his flock, the ones that he cares for. And how does he care for my flock? Here's point number four. He's realistic about each individual in his flock. I'm going to say this point, and this will probably be the main thing that you remember from this message. You ready? You can't pull the wool over the good shepherd's eyes. <laughs> you can't pull the wool over God's eyes. He sees. He knows. He hears. He saw. He's watching. And he will judge. If that truth comforts you, then I say, hold on to your good shepherd. He knows. If that truth makes you uncomfortable, then I say, make it right. Make it right with God. Make it right with others. Make it right because there is redemption. You can take off that, that sheep's clothing and you can truly become one of his sheep and follow him. He's realistic. He sees. He sees what you do in the darkness at your computer. He sees what you're watching on your phone at night. He sees the lie that you're living. He sees. Just like he sees the abuse that you endured, some of you. He watches. He knows. And he's going to do something about it. We're going to read about that in a minute. If you consider yourself one of his people, one of his sheep, then listen to what he said next. And listen close. You may even want to close your eyes and, and, and hear this. He said, I will make a covenant of peace with my people. And I'll drive away the dangerous animals from the land and sleep so that they'll be able to camp safely in the wildest places and sleep in the woods without fear. I will bless my people and their homes around my holy hill. And in the proper season, I will send the showers they need. There will be showers of blessing. The orchards and fields of my people will yield bumper crops and everyone will live in safety when I have broken their chains of slavery and rescued them, praise God, rescued them from those who enslaved them. Then they will know that I am the Lord. They will no longer be prey for other nations and wild animals will no longer devour them. They will live in safety and no one will frighten them. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. So how does the good shepherd care for his flock? Here's point number five. He blesses his flock with abundance and with freedom. I love this passage. He says, I'm going to bless the homes that you build on my holy hill, which makes me think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7. He said, build your life on the rock. I am the rock. Stop with those shifting sands. Build on the rock. And God says, you build on that rock. I'm going to bless you. God said, I'm going to send rain showers, which of course we will take all the rain we can get here in Colorado, right? But I also think about the rain showers of provision that we need 
Anybody have any needs for provision right now? God said, I'm going to bless your orchards and fields with bumper crops. And truth be told, I am not a good farmer in Colorado. I cannot grow orchards, fields, and gardens to save my life. But I do have some things in my life I'm cultivating that I would love God to just bless with bumper crops. Anything you're cultivating in your life, the good shepherd wants to bless it when you follow him. What's more, he wants to break the chains. He wants to rescue the enslaved. He wants to free the captives. Jesus summed all that up by saying, I've come to give you life, an abundant life. Drink it in if you're his flock. Drink it in. That's the promise that he has for you. But the promise doesn't stop there with us just getting. Because see, here's the thing with the Christian life. We don't just sit and soak those showers of blessings. God wants us to pour those blessings on someone else. Who is it that God has entrusted to you? Your children? Your grandchildren? Maybe he wants you to look around and say, I'm going to bless this person. I'm going to bring this person close. And here's the question. As God pours blessing on you, as he helps you break your chains, as he rescues you from the slavery and the addiction, as as he pours provision on you, who will you bless? Who will you give to in Jesus' name? Who will you speak life into because of how he's given you life? With whom will you share? Because he shared his abundant goodness with you. This is an example of how God wants us to be good shepherds like he is. The passage continues with God's promises. He said, verse 29, I will make their land famous for its crops. So my people will never again suffer from famines or the insults of foreign nations. In this way, they will know that I, the Lord, their God am among them. And they will know that they, the people of Israel, are my People, says the sovereign Lord, you are my flock, the sheep of my pasture. You are my people and I am your God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Now, when we think contextually, Ezekiel 34 is first to the house of Israel. He's first of all talking to them about being his people, his flock. But guess what? For the rest of us. We get to be a part of his flock because of Jesus. And listen to what Jesus said in John 10. He said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep, they know me just as the father knows me. And I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep also who are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. What is a defining trait of the good shepherd? Here's point number six. He intimately names and claims his flock as his own. He names and claims us as his own. Are you one of God's sheep? You'll know if when you hear these scriptures saying, I am your God, and you are my people. You'll feel that inside of you. You'll say, yes, I'm one of those. Or maybe like, oh, I I don't think so. Guess what? Jesus is looking for you. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them in also. He knows each of us by name. 
We can't pull the wool over his eyes. He knows where we are in our walk with him. He knows our our strengths and our weaknesses. He knows all of it. He knows us by name. You know, my good farmer's daughter, Journey Grace, she knows each of the cattle in our barnyard by name. She knows their genealogies. She knows who is whose mom and who is whose dad and who was born when. And and the farmer, my goodness, he definitely knows the genealogies. I can't keep up with it. But you ask them, who's that one? Who's that one? They know. A good farmer knows his herd. A good shepherd knows his flock. And God knows you. By extension, whose name do you know? You know the names of your kids. That's the best place to start. We don't just meet with God and spend time with him. We make him known to those he's entrusted to us. But do you have room for just a little bit more? Is there somebody else that you can draw in that you can intimately know their name and claim them as one of your own? Grandchildren, children, maybe a neighbor, Maybe somebody in your small group. Maybe a friend of one of your kids. God wants us to welcome people in. None of us can take care of everybody, but all of us can take care of somebody's. And you say, I just don't know, Tasha. I don't know where where I can find more to build relationship with. Well, guess what? I have a deal for you. Because I'm also in charge of Vacation Bible Blast this year. And I am praying. (laughs) I stated this in the first service. I am praying for 400 children in this room. Would anybody pray that with me? Thank you, Lisa. Will anybody pray with me for 400 children to be in this room to hear about the Good Shepherd? Thank you. In Jesus' name, that's what I'm praying for. But if he brings that many little sheep wandering around, guess what we need? We need some shepherds. We need some shepherds. Would you be willing to be one of those shepherds to say, you know what? I can take a little flock of 10 for the week. I'll get to know their names. I'll take them to craft station and I'll help them listen at Bible station and I'll make sure they don't get skinned knees at at game station or I'll put band-aids on them if they do. I'll watch over them. I'll name them. I'll know their names. I'll know them and I'll lead them to Jesus. Here's an unabashed commercial April 12th, Wednesday night, we're having a sneak peek. Would you all please show up? This is going to be amazing. We're going to show you about the greatest go on earth, and it's going to be awesome this year. So please join us for that. But for all of us, whatever our lives look like, Jesus is looking for those that aren't yet a part of his flock. And I believe that as we're good shepherds, we're going to do the exact same thing. Finally, We leave Ezekiel 34, and we're going to turn to Ezekiel 35. Now, in this passage, Jesus, God turns from speaking about himself as the good shepherd, and he goes into this prophecy about this place. And I was, first time I read it, I was like, I have no idea what that's about. Let me read the first verses to you. Again, a message came to me from the Lord, son of man, turn and face Mount Seir and prophesy against its people. Give them this message from the Lord. I am your enemy, O Mount Seir, and I will raise my fist against you to destroy you completely. I will demolish your cities and make you desolate. Then you will know that I am the Lord. It's like, oh my goodness, what is that about? So I started looking it up and studying it. And once I 
just began to do a little bit of research, it became crystal clear. And I believe there's a message in this for some people who are watching here today in person and watching online. Here's the thing. Mount Seir stood for a group of people called the Edomites. And the Edomites were the descendants of Esau. And Esau was the brother of Jacob. And Jacob was the ancestor of the house of Israel. And that makes the Edomites Israel's relatives. God ain't okay with abuse. He sees what happens. And sometimes his flock is abused by people in their own family. Be that the body of Christ or the literal biological family. What did God have to say about that? Well, in this situation, he said, your eternal hatred for the people of Israel led you to butcher your relatives when they were helpless, when I'd already punished them for their sins. God said, your turn has come. Verse 10, he said, for you said the lands of Israel and Judah will be ours. We will take possession of them. What do we care if the Lord is there? God says, I will pay back your angry deeds with my own. I will punish you for all your acts of anger, envy, and hatred. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have heard every contemptuous word you spoke. For you said, they're desolate. They have been given to us as food to eat. In saying that, you boasted against me, and I have heard it all. You rejoiced at the desolation of Israel's territory. Now I will rejoice at yours. Jesus picked up on this theme in the Gospels. And he said the familiar verse, my sheep listen to my voice and I know them. They follow me. Verse 28, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. We serve a powerful good shepherd. He sees, he hears, he knows the abuses that you've suffered. He has watched it and he will hold it to account. And when you belong to him, you are in his hand. So how does a good shepherd care for a sheep? He shows his authority over his flock and their oppressors. Some of you need to hear this. Some of you need to internalize this truth. Some of you have had oppressors, abusers who are to you just like the Edomites were to Israel. They were your relatives. They were within the body of Christ. The good shepherd, he's heard the mockery spoken against you. He's heard the jealousy that was raged against you. He's seen the abuse. And he's not okay with it. He's not sitting up there saying, I'm, I'm sad that happened and just going to let it go. He promises, he promises he's going to do something about it. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read these promises in the Old Testament, I was reading some promises in Isaiah yesterday and I was writing in the margins, Lord, when, when? I want to know when he's going to act. I want to know when he's going to do things. And here's the thing. I don't see a timeline. Bummer. <laughs> I wish I had that news to share with you. On this day, he's going to take care of it. Here's what I do know. He said, my sheep listen to my voice and they follow me. In the midst of letting him do his job of good shepherd, as if we let him do that, our job is to listen and to follow. And when we follow him, he says, no one 
No one is taking you out of my hand. He gets the final word. God gets the final word. The good shepherd gets the final word. He will rise up and judge. He is a good shepherd who's not just on the defense. He's on the offense. He's a good shepherd who's not just reactive. He is proactive on behalf of his sheep. That's the way that we can be as good shepherds as well. You know, that week that I was on the farm by myself, such a powerful week in my life. I was sick. My laryngitis got worse. So there wasn't anybody to talk to (laughs) except God. And really, that was my heart. My ears were open. And about that week, I said, I couldn't talk, but I could listen. And as I was listening to the Good Shepherd, spending all that time alone that week, I was talking to him about those who are entrusted to me. My children, my daughter-in-law, my sons-in-law, my daughter's boyfriend, my other daughter's friends, all of their friends, the, the people that are entrusted to my children because some of my children lead ministries. Anastasia and Chris lead a whole college ministry. I've got kids who are discipling others and I was talking to the good shepherd about my kids as they're leading those God's entrusted to them. I was talking to the good shepherd about some of you. I was praying for you. I was listening to his voice. I was talking to the good shepherd about Vanguard Church. I was talking to the good shepherd about family disciple me. I literally got out the whiteboard with God at that point. It's like, here's my questions. (laughs) Would you fill in the blanks? And he did. He did. All of us have people that God's entrusted to us. And he wants us to walk so intimately close with him that we can be in relationship with him every step of the way, interceding for those he's entrusted to us. As I spent that week and, and, and the snowstorm, the blizzard moved in and, and the winds blew and everything was happening, I would spend time with God, the good shepherd, and I would have these conversations with him about all those God has entrusted to me. And I would feel the Lord's presence say, go read this. And I would read this and I'd hear him talk. And he'd say, go, go look at this chapter in scripture. And I would do that. And I would be so encouraged. And he would say, go read this book. And I did. And, and I would ask him a question and he would answer. And it was so intimate. And then I would say, well, what do you want me to do next? And I kid you not, to my spirit, he would say, go down to the barnyard. It's time to take care of the animals. I'm like, really? <laughs> it's cold out there. So we'd go down to the pasture. On the Sunday of that week, Kelly and Journey Grace were still out of town and I still had no voice. So Mark and John were the lead chefs that day. But the Saturday, the day before, I felt like God said, I want you to go to church. Don't just stay at home and pray. I want you to go to church and sit behind the wall and I want you to pray. You don't have a voice, but you can pray. It's like, yes, sir. That Saturday night was a night from Hades It was so oppressive. It was such a bad night. The enemy was attacking me from every direction. Plus, I felt horrible. And then the winds were blowing. And when the winds blow on the farm like that, we know it brings down trees. It messes up fence lines. It's so difficult. And I got up the next morning and I was like, good shepherd. Here I am. 
the good farmer and there is no way I'm going to be able to go to church today because those fences are going to be down and I don't have anybody to help me. It's just me here on the farm. So I guess I'm going to tell if you good shepherd really spoke to me and I heard your voice, if I go down and those fences are hot, I'm calling Journey Grace. What do I do? So I get the fault finder. I go down there and I'm talking to the good shepherd like, Lord, okay, this is the defining moment. And I touch the fault finder to the hot fence and it was hotter than it had been all week. That's a miracle. Let me just tell you, that's a miracle on the farm. I started laughing right there with the good shepherd. It's like, Lord, I guess you want me to go to church. You want me to be there on time early so that I can pray for Vanguard's people. Here's what I want to say to all of us. That is what the good shepherd invites every one of his sheep into. I don't always get it perfect. That week by myself was actually just a mountaintop experience with me. I've never had a week like that where I lost my my voice for a week and I was alone for a week. So it was just God and I, but it was amazing. That intimacy is what he calls every single one of us into. The good shepherd wants to shepherd your heart. The question is, sheep, what are you going to do with that? Are you going to run away or are you going to draw close to him? Are you going to let yourself be carried off by your whims and desires? Or are you going to stay right next to the shepherd? And then, by extension, as God has called you to be a shepherd in the lives of those he's entrusted to you, will you do that? Will you seek him and then speak him into the lives of others? Will you meet with God and then will you make him known? Will you disciple those God has entrusted to you And then go make more disciples as Jesus is looking for more sheep. Will you help him find them and bring them in? That's our great commission. We get this amazing journey of living this life with the good shepherd. May he be glorified and his people be blessed. Let's pray. Lord God, I am humbled and odd that you are the creator of the universe. You are sovereign God. You are all powerful, all knowing, omniscient, immutable, sovereign, infinite. And yet you reach down and you also describe yourself to us as a good shepherd who cares for his flock. It doesn't get more tender than that. And we stand in awe that that is who you are to us. We do not deserve that. We cannot comprehend that, but we receive it. I think of the final verse in Psalm 119, verse 176. It says, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. God is, God, that's the reality for all of us. We've all gone astray in our lives. None of us are perfect, obedient sheep. That verse continues and it says, seek your servant. Lord God, I pray for every heart in this room that if they know you, that they will be sheep who stay close to you. 
And God, if they don't know you, but they hear your call today, whether here in person or online or listening later, God, I pray that they'll say, I'm one of those lost sheep that Jesus is looking for. I just haven't come into the flock yet. Today will be the day of salvation. And God, I pray for every parent in this room, every grandparent, every person, every one of your followers, Lord God, that they will care for the flock that you've entrusted to them and they will help you look for more. That they will love on others in your name, Jesus, so that they can know you too. God, I pray your blessing of power and authority and meaning and purpose over this church, over these people who are listening, Lord God. And we do all this, we ask all this, God, for your glory and for our good. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.